Welcome to Keep You 100 Radio. I'm your host, Felicity Pointer, type 1 diabetic, certified health coach, personal trainer, and founder of Needles and Spoons Health and Wellness. Inside this podcast, you'll find the real and raw conversations around diabetes management, including the lessons that we don't learn in our endos office, my best tips and trainings, and conversations from the experts that I trust inside the community so that you can create more predictability in your diabetes management and feel empowered while doing so. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome to the Keeping It 100 radio segment, Empowered Voices. I'm Valeria Garcia, certified health coach, type 1 diabetic, women's wellness coach and mentor inside Needles and Spoons, and alumni of our signature program, Keeping It 100. Inside this segment, I hold space and interview individuals, leaders, and supporters from the T1D community to share their story, journey, experiences, and wisdom to empower, inspire, and share their light. To find these conversations live, join us inside the T1D Judgment-Free Zone Facebook group. If you guys are joining us live, my name is Val. If you haven't met me before, I am the community manager on the Needles and Skins team. And then Rachel, if you want to introduce yourself and kind of what you do for us. Yeah, I'm Rachel. Um, Like Val mentioned, I am the virtual assistant. So I do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, like uh, helping Lissy build the websites and making sure all of our emails come out to you guys properly. Yes, which is so helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Um, I so as a community manager, I'm sure you guys all see me in the Facebook page. That's mainly where I'm at touching base with you guys answering questions. Um, engaging with you. And then also for the Keeping It 100 program, I help with some accountability and touch base with all the clients in our programs. So that's always very fun. Um, so Monday, we did a poll to ask all of you what age or time in your life you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So I kind of looked at, I wrote it down, I looked at the votes of what we had. So we had eight people who said they were an adult. We had seven votes for child. We had three votes for teen. Um, And then we didn't have anyone share if they were a parent or family member of someone with type 1 diabetes. Um, But I know we have some people in the group and family members. Um, So I thought this was interesting just to see in like numbers and for everyone who participated, because I think at any age, as we all know, it's difficult. And the experiences that we have are very different. So Rachel and I today are going to talk about how we have similarities and maybe big differences in the times we were diagnosed and like where we're at now. So Rachel, do you want to share a little more about when you were diagnosed and your skin? Yeah. So um, I was diagnosed when I was four and a half and you know, the half really matters when you're that little. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I don't really remember a whole lot of like, the whole diagnosis story because like I was so young that like a I had no idea what was going on I didn't like understand most of what they were saying um so like a lot of that like emotional burden was really on my mom because she was the one that was with me and like my family in general um so we were on like our summer vacation it was like the end of July and uh, we were visiting family in Regina Saskatchewan um, oh yeah, I'm from Canada for people that don't know. So <laughs> I live in Ontario. Um, so yeah, we were visiting family and, um, it was a really hot summer that summer. So like we, my, my Nana and Papa didn't have, uh, air conditioning back in the day. They like didn't believe in it. So we were all really hot and miserable. I'm and- like, that's my house. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm and- in California and we do not have AC. I've never had AC in any house I've lived in. 
Oh my God, I would die. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like been brutal the last couple of summers. So I know. How you feel. Oh, I can, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, so we were all really hot and miserable and like drinking a lot because we were so warm and peeing a lot because we were drinking so much. So like most of those like typical signs just felt so normal that summer because like we were all acting that way, right? Um, but I guess something felt wrong to my family. So they decided to bring me to the emergency room and, uh, they tried to diagnose me with a bladder infection as a four and a half year old. And my mom was like, yeah, that doesn't sound right. And my aunt is a nurse and she was like, yeah, no, you definitely need a second opinion. Like this sounds like diabetes to me. And I, I think you should get her checked out again. So, um, I believe they brought me to like my aunt's family doctor and they were the ones that ended up actually diagnosing me. And then, um, I was brought to the hospital. I think I was there for about five or six days. And the biggest thing I remember from my time in the hospital was like getting day passes to go back to my Nana's house and like visiting with her family. And then like, there was a little boy across the hall that had been diagnosed around the same time as me. And every time they tested his blood sugar, they put a Band-Aid on his finger. And so when he got to all 10 fingers, he thought he was done. Like, that was it. And, of course, like, he was so upset when they were like, I don't know, like, we have to start again. Like, it's like, that's one of the things that, like, just stuck with me. Like, we all thought it was so funny because, like, I think he was a little bit younger than me. And, like, I kind of got that, like, yeah, the blood testing is just my life now. I guess I caught on to that pretty quickly, but he didn't. And it was just like that stuck in my head was remembering him being like so upset that just because they did all 10 fingers, he wasn't finished. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like I felt like that as an adult. I was like, okay, so like, we're going to figure this out today. And then tomorrow I'm like, good to go. Right. Like I don't have diabetes. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, I thought it was just going to be like a quick, like, yeah, you're going to have diabetes for a week and then you'll be clear. Um, (laughs) unfortunately no we're not yeah unfortunately no (laughs) yeah right um okay see yeah and it's so interesting to hear you know your story and in that perspective of like what you remember because like you said like a lot of that management went on to your parents so like wasn't you like yes you were learning and you're going through everything but it's such like a different piece um like for me it was more like putting up with like my parents having to jab me with needles and like them being frustrated about things not working out and stuff like that wasn't emotionally my load to carry yet because I it just wasn't in my hands at all yeah what age would you say like that kind of shifted to like now being more on your plate and like you were more independent with your management I mean it kind of came in waves I would say like I started being more responsible for like testing my own blood sugar, but like my mom would still have to remind me to do it kind of thing. But like I'd bring my glucometer to school with me and it was like this massive pouch. Like it was like big. Cause like the, that's another thing that was really different is that like, I've lived through so many different versions of technology that just like are completely out the window now. But like, so my glucometer used to be massive and it used to take like a whole minute to tell me what my blood sugar was after I put the blood in the strip and the strips were individually foil wrapped. Oh my gosh. All that stuff. I don't so, even know this stuff. Like, yeah. What? So that was my first glucometer was this like massive thing. And when I was in school, like I was really bad at like leaving it in my desk when I went home at the end of the day. So like 
there were plenty of times mom had to drive me back to the school and we'd be like banging on the door for the custodian to let us back in to like go get it because we only had the one (laughs) and yeah so like I think that became my responsibility probably the fastest because like it was something that wasn't like I couldn't do wrong really right so like my injections I learned how to do them I want to say I was still in elementary school like probably eight-ish maybe younger when I started doing my own shots I honestly don't remember um but like mom would still tell me like oh you need this much kind of thing and then I would administer it but like it wasn't until I was on pens I think that I was doing my own shots like I don't think when I was a kid or at least very young I was doing it with syringes like I started everything with syringes too that was a whole nother technology thing (laughs) now here I am on a pump that does all the math for me so yeah so we started on injections with uh humulin n and humulin r and n was like my cloudy um like long acting insulin and you had to like roll it like mix it together before drying it into the syringe and then r was like the original humalog like it was the version before humalog and then humalog came out when i was a little bit older like i think around eight or nine and i've been on that pretty much ever since but wow yeah that's crazy yeah i i feel like hearing this i'm just like wow our stories are so different it's like wild but then i you know I feel like even in the time that I've had diabetes, I've seen like how the technology has changed and it took a long time for me to even like be open to it or even want to have that conversation with like a doctor. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really know. This is what they taught me. So I don't know anything else. Well, yeah, um, so I step out of like the comfort of like, this is what I know and this is what I like to deal with. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, and so to share a little of my story of when I was diagnosed. So I was 23 years old. I had graduated college the year before I graduated college when I was 21. And then at 23, I actually like shipped out and went out to serve in the Peace Corps. So if you guys know, know. yeah, Um, the Peace Corps is a volunteer program from the U.S. government. And we send out volunteers to different countries to serve for two years. And our jobs are always a surprise. So you kind of (laughs) go through this long process. They give you a letter. They're like, hey, you're going to be in this country for two years this is going to be like roughly what your job is. So you kind of sign up for the unknown. I guess that prepared me for diabetes a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The whole time I feel like it was a surprise. It went from like, okay, in three days, like you're going to be in Texas for a meeting. Okay. Then you're going to be in Costa Rica. Then you're going to be in training for three months. And then maybe when we get closer to then, we'll tell you like where in Costa Rica. So it was a surprise the whole time. Um, So I got there when I was 23, loved it. I was living in this little rural community right by the ocean. Um, It was in Costa Rica. So if you guys have been there and you're familiar with the Nicoya Peninsula, which is the top of Costa Rica, there's like the very tip of the peninsula is like exactly where I lived. You'd cross on a ferry and then that was my town. Um, I loved it. I loved my job. Hadn't seen my family in a year. So I was like, okay, like when I'm on school break, I was an English teacher there and then I also did like little community programs we did like recycling like walks like soccer coach it was just like my dream job yeah it was like my dream job in one so I loved it um but so it had been a year and I was like okay I'm gonna like invite my family to come when I'm on the summer break from school and 
my my mom, my dad, my sister, my grandma, my grandpa, they like all came. So it was like really cool. Um, and when they saw me, they were like, oh, wow, like you don't look well, like you look really thin, you look tired, like, are you okay? And the month before that, people in my community, I had been there for a year. So at that point, I was already living in my own apartment. I wasn't with a host family or anything like that. So I was on my own. And a lot of people in the community were bringing food. They're like, oh, she's not eating like poor thing. She probably doesn't know how to cook. I "I do. (laughs) So I would like open my door and there'd be like a box of food or like containers of food all the time, which was really sweet of the community. They were really cute. Yeah, it was cute. It was cute. Yeah, I just remember like they just I had so much food all the time because of them. Like like story, I was riding my bike one time with my backpack and my backpack just like ripped open on the bottom and like all this food fell out behind me. So I like got home with an empty backpack. I was like, oh no, now they're really gonna think I don't like them. <laughs> um yeah, so I was in Costa Rica, family was visiting. Um during that time, I was like almost feeling like really emotional. I was like waking up and my legs felt numb. Like I couldn't walk or like something was off. Um, I was going to the bathroom. I was going pee like, I don't know, 10 times in the night. I was like, this is not normal. So I don't know what this means. And of course I go on the internet. I'm like, Hmm, what does it say? And it it did come up. I was like, tell me. (laughs) Yeah. And it said like symptoms of type one diabetes. So I was like, no, like there's no way. Like this happens usually when people are, are younger. Like I'm 20, I'm an adult. Like how, how could this happen? Um, and before my mom left, they were there for two weeks. And before my mom left, she kind of like whispered in my ear, like, "Hey, you should see a doctor. I think this is like more serious than you think." So I contacted the Peace Corps, told them what I was feeling. I was like, "Can you do like a full blood panel?" I kind of was like demanding because I was scared and I was feeling so scared in my body and out of control. Um, they also laughed and they're like, don't self-diagnose, like don't listen to Google. I was like, okay. Um, so I went back to my community, uh, which from the main city where the hospital was, was like, I don't know, four hours. I had to get on a taxi, a a bus, like by myself. So for the weekend, while I waited for my results, I was feeling like, (laughs) I was like, I woke up one day crying because I literally couldn't feel my legs. And I thought, oh my God, a snake bit me. I have dengue fever. I have some tropical like virus. I'm going to die here in Costa Rica. I'm so scared. Um, so Monday morning, I get a call from Peace Corps and they're like, hey, you need to get to a hospital soon. Like, please get on the soon, like whatever ferry is leaving the port, like as soon as possible. Packed a bag. I was by myself. I like didn't, they didn't say anything except like we saw some alarming markers on your results. So we need you here. So I was like, okay. I didn't get to Yeah. I think I was like, I would have asked someone to go with me if I knew it was like so serious, but I didn't. Um, so I didn't get to the city till like 9 PM. And then the next morning I was like, Ooh, free breakfast at the hotel. <laughs> I ate all this food, went to my endocrinologist appointment and I sat down and she's like, okay, sweetie, you have type one diabetes. And I'm sitting there and I feel like everything pretty much went black. I was like crying, remembering what I looked up. It was so scary. Um, And she kind of just like walked me through like, okay, this is going to be chronic like the rest of your life. And I'm still just crying. Like I wasn't really listening. And then she grabbed my hand. She's like, let me just check where your blood sugar is at now. She checks it. It was at like 950, like something crazy. Yeah, crazy. And so she immediately was like okay we're gonna send you to the ER so from there it was just a journey I was in another country I didn't have my family 
everything was in Spanish that they were telling me, which I speak Spanish, but still it was very scary. And I didn't know all these medical terms. Um, and I stayed in the hospital for about a week as they like slowly taught me how to use an insulin pen. Uh, they had me talk to like a nutritionist. Um, they kind of made like a mini game plan, but why I had to sit like at the hospital for a while was they didn't know what to do. So Peace Corps, like U S government was like, okay, do we teach her and have her just kind of like learn her management as she's also in the Peace Corps in a foreign country, or do we bring her back to the U S? Um, so after about like a week, they were like, okay, we need to send you to the U S came back. And then that's kind of like my journey. It was like, I had to leave my dream job. Didn't get to say bye to anyone. It was like so sudden. They're like, my mom did fly out though. So my mom met up with me like the next day. So she was with me during that week, which was really nice. Um, but it was scary. I mean, I was planning to live in Costa Rica for a long time. I wasn't planning to just serve two years and then like come back to the U.S. I was like, oh, I want to like start a life there, maybe get a job. Um, I had studied abroad there before. So it was just a special place to me. And I think I still say this. I think it was more heartbreaking to not get to say bye to everyone than it was to like understand what diabetes was. So that was heavy. Um, yeah, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was like too much. And then I came back to like, okay, now I need to find a job. I need to learn about what the hell diabetes is. Like, it was just a lot. Um, so I would say like, where I see that difference is like the management, like right away was just like thrown on me. And I didn't understand anything. So I felt like I was constantly like shuffling all of this information and kind of just like, drowning thrown into the deep end. Yeah, yeah. Like and I got to like wade in from like the steps in like, the way shallow end <laughs> yeah yeah thrown right off like the high dive yeah they're like oh you don't know how to swim it's fine you'll eventually figure it out figure after it you drown <laughs> yeah 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 so that's definitely what happened um so yeah and it it was almost like because I was an adult I felt like I was expected to figure it out on my own I didn't really know what it would look like to reach out to talk to other people the doctors would only see me for like a short amount of time and it just wasn't enough. And so I kind of started, you know, the journey of like, I'm going to buy the books. I'm going to do this and see if that helps. Still like wasn't enough until like I sat with myself and I was like, what would make me feel better? And it was like a friend or someone else who like has stood in my shoes because this is crazy. And I was like, there has to be other, you know, young adults that have been diagnosed just like I have. And, you know, they probably had to figure it out or maybe there is a community. So Luckily, um, I found like the online support through like Instagram, like blogs, things like that. Um, and I think without that, I feel like I still would be having like breakdowns and still feel like I was struggling because that that piece was so important for me. And it just like oh, allowed yeah. me to be vulnerable, you know. Um, having other people that understand makes a world of difference. Like even even with like your whole family in your corner, like oh yeah, we're with you, we're here with you, like. Yes, you are. And I appreciate it. But like, you also just, you don't understand. You're yeah. trying so hard to understand and I appreciate you for it. But like, you just don't get what it feels like, like what a low feels like, what a high feels like, what immediately going from one to the other feels like, like there's, there's yeah. so many different like nuances that like only another person with diabetes can really understand. Totally. Totally. Or even like, what is it like to have diabetes and like date someone, you know, like that was going to be like a big thing or like, how do you start a relationship? Like, do you tell them right away? Like, is this something I have to like hide? Like, it was just like so many things are like, Oh, when I hang out with my friends or like social settings, I just, I always remember like the first time someone invited me to go to breakfast 
And before I got to order, they ordered something for me. It was like this big <laughs> croissant. And I was like, oh, so big. Like, I don't know how many cars are in that. I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to inject like right in front of them? Like, what if they've never seen that? What if they're uncomfortable? Like so many questions and like feelings were coming through that I ended up taking like one bite and be like, oh, I already ate. I'm going to save this for my mom. Cause it was like too overwhelming to like address everything at once. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. You can have the family and it's so important to have, you know, that kind of support and people in your corner that are there to help you out. But there is something unique of like talking to another person that has experienced what you have. And it makes like the biggest difference. I would say that's like my biggest game changer, just to hear other voices. Yeah. Or even even just people that understand, but like someone that like has the background knowledge to be like, okay, I tried this. Maybe this can work for you kind of thing. Like I get that a lot where I'm like complaining about like a really stubborn high or something. And someone will be like, oh, well, what's your water intake? It's like, oh yeah, I forgot about water. Like it's just one of those things that like, there's so many balls to juggle that sometimes you just drop one and you don't even realize you've done it. So yeah. like having someone to be like with the educated answer that like, Oh, Hey, this, this is a thing that I noticed when I was having a really stubborn high, maybe you should try this. And like, that can be super helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. And to ask those questions and like not be embarrassed, you know, cause it's like, we get it. Like, yeah, there's stuff that's like, I don't know. I remember yeah. like just little questions like that. I mean, still like, so now I'm 28. So it's been five years. Um, and still, I would say still all the time, it's like a constant learning, a constant, like touching base with yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's I'm, I'm 31. So I've been, I've been diabetic for almost 27 years and there, I still have questions. Like the, the learning is a constant thing. Like it's not, there's no like end destination. It's like, you're just constantly going. Yes. So yes. 27 years in, I'm still learning things. So I, I only just recently I, learned how to pre-bolus. So <laughs> <laughs> see, so everyone is listening. Yeah, it's it's a constant learning and like it's okay to be wherever you are. It's totally fine. Oh, sorry if you hear knocking. I think my neighbor's hammering something. Sorry, guys. Um uh I was also gonna say what I think about too, because you said 27 years, is like I always think about my life, like I've lived a majority without diabetes and less of my life with diabetes so yeah it's just like that journey and that feeling is just like constant of like wow you know I'm gonna also get to that point 27 years you know and that's just kind of how our journeys go um I was gonna ask you when you were in school was did you know any other kids or did you ever meet other kids with type 1 diabetes I did but not through my school so um I was really lucky when I was a kid my parents were able to send me to a diabetes camp Um, so I think I was eight my first year, like that was the first year you were allowed to go. And I actually had no interest in going. Like I did not want to be away from my parents for two weeks. Like I was going by myself. I didn't know anybody. Like I was not interested at all, but I loved it. Like being somewhere where my health wasn't my problem was fantastic. Like they had a whole team of doctors that were there to make every decision for you. Like they were in charge of your meal plan. They were in charge of your insulin doses. Like they had people checking your blood sugar in the middle of the night. Like, I mean, again, I wasn't like getting up in the middle of the night to check my own blood sugar at this point either, but like it was a weight off of my parents' shoulders as well. Um, so like they got two weeks where they didn't have to worry about me because there was a whole medical team doing that for them. And I got to meet hundreds of kids that were exactly like me. Like I wasn't the odd one out anymore, which was 
amazing. Um, so, oh, and my mom joined like a support group for parents of T1Ds when I was like basically first diagnosed. Um, and she became really close with another mom in that group. And I became really close with her daughter and we're still friends to this day. So like she, I call her my sister and her kids are my nephews now. Like I don't have any siblings, so they're the only ones I'm going to get. But, um, so like we're still really close. And so like, I've had other diabetic kids around my whole life really, Um, but I don't think there was anyone actually in my school until I was in high school. And it was like one other girl who I knew through camp. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's so awesome though. I'm so glad your mom found a group and especially like a friend to like help her too. Cause I mean, it's a lot of weight on her and on your parents to hold all of that. So it's nice for them to just like constantly terrifying for them because like, I mean, it's all on us now. It's like, of course, like you even know this feeling because like, one wrong move and like it's it could literally be death like it's it's a terrifying thing and then when you're responsible for that for your kid I'm sure that's even worse yeah along with like all the other parental like worries right Right? like Like, you have all the other hundred things like now you add diabetes into the mix yeah you had diabetes on there it's like oh my gosh you got it all (laughs) wow yeah I think I'm, I was really lucky to be diagnosed as a kid. Like as much as it sucked, I, I grew up like learning how to make it fit into my life rather than having to like fit my life around it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I didn't have a bunch of like, I don't know, like things I like to do or habits I had to break when I became diabetes. I just like, I want to take swimming lessons. Okay. Let's figure out how to make that work. I want to do this. Okay. Let's figure out how to make that work. Like when do we need to have the snack? How many snacks do we have to bring with us? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, I, I could see, like, I'm just thinking of like my mindset in the beginning and like how it was with asking questions, but yeah, it was more so I was asking like, can I do this? Like, can I do this still? It was more of that question versus like, okay, I have diabetes. How do I make it fit? Whereas like, like, I never thought, oh, I can't do that because I'm diabetic. It's how do I make this work because I'm diabetic? Yeah. So it's almost like you had that positive mindset just because you were younger and it was always part of you. Yeah. And I think for me, it was like, I had to break that versus like always being like, can I even do that? Because I have that, like, can I, my personality, I think just like help someone. I was like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. So yeah. And I think one of the bigger, I'm very negative. I was like, I'm going to freaking do it no matter what. So I I can remember like the first time I made a big decision where I was like, I know this is scary. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it regardless. And diabetes is just going to be the partner with me. Um, I decided to travel for four or five months on my own. And I was like, I don't know what it's going to be like to go to different countries. I don't know if they're going to have the insulin I need or if I need to buy test strips. Like it was like stressful, but I was like, I have to do this to just like break the ice to like, let me know that I can still do stuff that I like to do. Prove to yourself that you still can. Yeah. And I think I was just (laughs) upset that the Peace Corps was like, Hey, you can't do this. And I was like, wait, yeah, I can. Like I could still travel. Like even if you, I couldn't be in the Peace Corps, finish my service. Like there's still ways around that. Um, And I would say that was like the most like liberating feeling to know, like I am capable and you can be capable and like those limitations are really like in our head, I think a lot of the times. So yeah, it's really just extra preparedness. Like you just have to make sure you've got everything you need. Like you need a game plan for, okay, what if this happens? 
I know where there are pharmacies. I know where there are hospitals. I know like what, what the emergency phone number is in this country. Like there, there are just extra things you have to prepare for that. Like a regular person probably wouldn't think of. Yeah. And then like the whole extra bag of diabetes supplies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Literally. I want to say like, I only took a backpack and half of it was like diabetes supplies. I had like four shirts and like all diabetes supplies. So it worked out. I'm alive. Um, there's a lot of things I've learned after that, that I'm like, Oh, I wish I knew about these things, but it comes with time. Just like you said, like technology changes, you meet people, you learn. Th- I mean, I'm constantly learning things. Um, and yeah, I'm newer to a pump also for the first like three and a half years. I was like, no way. I didn't even know what like a CGM or a Dexcom or anything like that. And I used to say it all the time, like, that'd be so cool. If something could be like in my arm telling me my blood sugar. And then someone was like, they do have that. I was like, what? Like, my doctor had to talk me into it. Cause like I, I got mine probably like three or four years ago now. And I just, I didn't want something connected to my body all the time. I was like, I have a really like ridiculous dog. He's going to rip them out of my skin. Like it's, just, it's not going to go well. It's going to be a waste of time and money. And my doctor finally convinced me. I was like, okay, fine. I'll try it. But like, I'm telling you, this is not going to go well. And now like, I can't live without it. (laughs) Isn't that so funny? I feel like I felt the same way. I was like, well, I wanted it so bad, but I also was like, especially with the pump, I didn't know if I wanted something like attached to my body that'd be like hanging around. Um, I was on a pump when I was younger. So like I had a pump like 12 or 13 years ago. Um, I started on it. I want to say I was like somewhere between between 10 and 12. I'm not hundred percent sure how old I was when I started, but it broke when I was 18. And then I was like, you know, this has made me really lazy. I need to like go on a pump break. I'm just going to do shots for a bit. Maybe not having that constant insulin is going to like make me take better care of myself faster. And like, and then that pump break turned into 12 years. (laughs) My doctor again, just kept pushing for me to get one. He's like, your control will be so much better. I'm like, my control is fine. Like, I don't want it. Like I don't, the tubing is stupid and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then I just got so sick of having like one to two unit injections for snacks that I was like, fine, I'll get a pump. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, all right. And then that was like a whole year battle to like finally get on it. But that's a, that's a completely different conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I know the convincing. Yeah. I I mean, I felt the same. I had to go to like a full conference for like two days to meet other people that had pumps to even like think about it being possible. So yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Okay. So what would you say, I wrote this down, was like either one of your biggest challenges or one of like your biggest game changers to your management, like as an adult? The challenges to my management would be like literally myself, like my own motivation to do things. Like when I was a teenager, I was really bad for like putting diabetes on the back burner because I was like, I'm managing it good enough. It's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. My friends and my classes and my high school boyfriend, they all matter so much more, right? Like, it's just all the little dramas that mean nothing now, like, were the most important things of my life back then. So, diabetes was always on the back burner for me. And then, like, I went through college, basically the same thing. Like, I went through this this point of time that was, like, probably five or six years where I... I really only took like my long acting insulin and that was the only diabetic thing I did consistently. Um, I would just randomly have like 20 units of Humalog and hope for the best. Like 
I feel high, 20 units should do it, whatever. And like, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't bulleting for food. I wasn't getting my A1Cs done. I wasn't even seeing an endocrinologist. It was just like, screw it. I don't want to. Like, I just, I'm fine. I'm a bad diabetic. Who cares? And that was my life for six years. And it took losing a friend to diabetes complications to be like, okay, maybe this should not be on the back burner anymore. And so I found myself a new endo and I started like baby steps, taking care of myself again. And I mean, here I am now years later and like, I'm in the best diabetes place I've ever been in my whole life. Um, but like the, the motivation to do anything was definitely my biggest hurdle wow. in, like, getting out of that. Yeah. And I think it's so important. And I love that you share that and are open to sharing it. Cause I'm sure a lot of people aren't in that mindset right now. And like knowing that that's okay. Burnout is a real thing. And like, it doesn't have to be like six to eight years. Like mine was like, you can take, you can take a minute and just like, let it kind of ride for a bit. But like, you, you don't want to do what I did. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's good. Yeah. And it's good to share that because we all are at different points and we all go through like those different seasons of like where we're at and how we're feeling. And it's just good to know that at least you have like this, you have a community or someone to fall back on or someone to have questions because it is scary to lose someone important or someone significant in your life to something that you deal with every day. I mean, that's scary. That would bring like a shock to anyone. Oh yeah. It was like, it was a real reality check. Oh yeah. Kick in the butt that I needed. Like I wish, I wish I could have learned the lesson without losing him, but if I had to lose him to save my own life, then at least, at least I got something out of it. Oh, that gave me chills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure he's, you know, around. He's still supporting you and being there for you. I had a psychic tell me once that he's he's around. So Yeah. Oh, he's probably like your little angel. Yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. Oh yeah. Him and my grandparents have saved my life a couple of times. So Oh wow, I love that. Um I'm going to combo with you about that forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And then what advice would you give to parents? Because I know either someone's a parent or, you know, is here to learn information for their family. Like, what advice would you give them? So I actually asked my mom this earlier today. Oh, you did? Oh, good. Oh, good. Because I was like, I mean, I could tell you lots of things, but like maybe hearing something from an actual T1D parent might be helpful. So a lot of what she suggested was stuff I was going to say anyways. But um, the first thing is that you can only do your best. There's no perfection. Just do your best. That's all anybody can ask of you. Um, Don't be too focused on like each individual blood test. Like, yes, staying high forever is not great. But one day of constant highs in the long, like long term, big picture window, it's not the end of the world. Um, She said she would also tell them that. If the team that they get, like the doctors, the endos, whatever, isn't a good fit, move on. You do not need to stick with them. I had a really awful endo as a kid and we did not switch. So like, I would definitely recommend that. That's great advice. Yes. Um, what else did she say? She said, seek out other parents with kids that have been diagnosed as they are a huge resource. Nothing else. They help you realize that you're not in this alone and they often have good suggestions. And 
She says in capital letters, breathe. (laughs) But it's not the end of the world or a death sentence, both of which it feels like at the time. Oh, I love that. I'm like getting chills all over. That's such great. I mean, that that, like hit me. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And I feel like that's exactly what we all need to hear sometimes. And just like remembering. Even as an adult, like diabetes is not the end of the world. It feels like it sometimes, but you can still be whatever you want to be. You can still do whatever you want to do. You're not going to miss out on any opportunities because you're diabetic. It's just a thing you have to live with now. Yes. And I love that because it's so true. You know, I think whenever any, we always have a decision in like our mindset and the way we want to see things. So I could have been 23 years old, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and could have decided like, this sucks. My life is over. I'm restricted and I'm going to be limited. I can't travel. I can't surf. I can't work out anymore. I can't eat cake. Like I could have set that up for myself, but I chose that. That was not going to be my decision. I was like, I'm going the other way. Like if anything, like diabetes is going to have to keep up with me. So it's going to keep up with me and it's going to do all the things that I love to do. And you know, for anyone who's listening to this, like, as you can see, it's like possible to live the life and the lifestyle that you want to live, have the relationships you want to have, seek out that support. Like it's all possible for you. And when you have a community and you have people next to you or on your side, it just can alleviate a lot of those stressors and the overwhelm. So, you know, don't ever hesitate to reach out. All questions are important questions, even the ones about water or whatever it is, even if it sounds simple, it's not. There are no stupid questions. Yeah. There's no stupid questions ever. Um, And then another thing I would also recommend to a parent of a diabetic is to talk to your, your kids' schools, talk to their teachers. Like none of them are trained for diabetes. So like, and most people, unless they have diabetes, like directly in their lives, like a cousin, a sister, whatever that have it, their kind of understanding of diabetes is going to be what they get from TV, which is not accurate. (laughs) So like my mom had like a full like binder that we'd bring to school like every year and like the school nurse had like extra insulin extra snacks whatever my teachers had like things of dextrose tabs in their desks for me like every single year um juice boxes that kind of stuff and like explain to them that sometimes you're going to need to have snacks sometimes you're going to need to be let out of class to like go to the bathroom more often than they might like like that's just a fact of your disease and that's something that has to happen. So like having those conversations with the teachers are, is really important. Yes. I would say like my mom just experienced that she's a school bus driver and her student was out for three weeks and then came back and had a Dexcom. And my mom was like, Oh my gosh, like nowhere on your report, none of the information shared with me shows me that you're type one diabetic. And so my mom, you know, talked to his mom and you know, she has a daughter with some, you know, with type one diabetes. So it was easier for her to understand like, what he was going through when the teacher was like, Oh, he needs a juice. My mom was like, okay, well, where's his blood sugar? Like she was aware, but so many people aren't. And I, and I can remember being in high school and playing soccer with someone who had type one diabetes. I had no idea what it was. She never explained it. The coach never explained it to us. So we'd see her like rush off, you know, like chug some juice or like eat a cookie and then like run back on the field. But no one ever told us like what was going on. And I feel like that probably made her feel so alone to be around students or like her teammates, you know, she probably felt like an outsider. And now looking back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wish I knew, 
you know, because now as a type one diabetic, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I like knew more at that time or someone told me or even just shared like, hey, I mean, she's one of have the, to do this sometimes. One of my neighbors as a kid, like we were, my mom babysat her. So like she was with us constantly. And so like kind of when we got back home after like we'd kind of like settled back into like the swing of our lives uh, after I was diagnosed, she thought she was going to catch diabetes from me. And we had to like explain, like, again, we were four. So like we had to explain that, no, it's not contagious. Like it's just something Rachel lives with and you're fine. She's fine. Like just sometimes she'll need a snack. Like it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, even now, like as an adult, I have to explain it to people all the time. <laughs> I mean, the things people ask, they're like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you wearing that? Are you sick? I'm like, oh my gosh, do you guys just like ask people this in public? I'm like, this is crazy. Um, the yeah, last time so- I started a new job, like I didn't, I didn't hide it on purpose. I just like hadn't brought it up yet. And the one day I was going low and like, I worked in a retail job. So she's like, uh, I need to go get some sugar. I'll be right back. And like, I come back on the floor and my boss is like, what what's going on? I was like, oh, by the way, I'm like, I'm a type one diabetic. And they're just like, oh my God. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. Like, <laughs> it just means sometimes I'm gonna have to take like a couple minutes and go get a snack. Like it's it's not a big deal. Like I'm I'm fairly well managed. Um, just like if you ever like see me pass out or something, please call 911 and like maybe find me some sugar, but like never try to inject insulin into me, please. And thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. Yeah. And I will say like the times I did tell coworkers, like I felt a lot better and it was cute. Like they would check in on me like, Hey, how are you doing? Like, you don't look so good. Are you okay? Like, do you need a juice? Like they, they were just really, uh, supportive. Yeah. Supportive. Yeah. And though I did have a coworker once drink my, the like the low snack I had in the fridge like I had a can of coke oh <laughs> like, I went low and I was like I'm literally going to murder you and then he like <laughs> me a whole case of juice boxes so like I forgave him but <laughs> he's like endless amount of juice coming your way forever he's like I could have died thank you for this he's like yeah. oh my god I didn't realize and he's like well I mean my name was on it and it said don't drink so like I don't know how that was confusing <laughs> you're like no excuses at this point yeah it's like, I'm, I'm sure it was delicious for you, but like, that was literally there to save my life. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's so true. It's like, those are like the funny things. So, um, anyone who's like listening to our stories or if you have stories that you want to share with us, you know, we want to hear them and just know that you're not alone. Um, and whatever stage you're at, there's support available all of the time. And if you have more questions about Rachel's story, my story, if you were diagnosed when you were younger, you want to ask your questions or even me if you're just newly diagnosed or you're in your early 20s whatever it is like anytime please reach out this is so this was like nice because I think I could see in so many ways where we did have similarities and then we have like big differences right and there's like these different shifts even like with the mindset that we've had and yours you know it's changed over time the tools that you've used change over time the technology you use changes over time so I mean, those changes are going to continue happening for us. And so we just have to be like open to what's coming and just know that we have a support. So yeah, Rachel, this was so fun. I'm so glad. Yeah, we were able to do this. And yeah, if you guys have any questions, reach out um, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Have a good night. You too.